Hey, everybody. Uh, before we start the show, just want to remind you, if you want to help support the podcast, please go to the Amazon link on this week's episode or at todayinspace.net forward slash home. Use that link, do your Amazon shopping like you're normally doing, and Amazon kicks us back a little bit of what you bought, and it costs you nothing. Helps keep the lights on here and helps keep the science and the love spreading. All right? Thank you for listening, and let's start this week's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. It is August 29th by the time this episode comes about. Uh, it's uh, Monday morning for everybody catching it when it first comes out. How y'all doing? I hope you've had a, a great week since the last time we had an episode. I hope uh, everything's going well. You know, I hope you're out there going for it, striving to, to follow your dreams, or at the very least, just having fun. I and mean, if you're just having fun and enjoying yourself, you're winning, all right? Uh, you know, and this week, I, I, before we start into the science and, and the shit for this week, I, I wanted to kind of touch on what, what the hell's been going on with me this past uh, week, but really this, the last two months, man, and I've been getting my ass kicked by life. I, <laughs> I really have. And it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm... Um, saying I'm having a hard time or there's any like, like I, 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 I'm an American. I'm able to start my own business. I'm able to talk to you guys without being told what I can and can't say. I mean, I, I'm living a, a, a blessed life, but it's been real tough the last few months and then we'll get into it. And, and hilariously, uh, it's all my fault. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. And, and if, if you guys can relate to this, great. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person who has always done well and excelled at the things that I love, at the things that I'm uh, really interested in and passionate about. Um, but the things that I, I, I'm not interested in and the things that I'm uh, um, not so passionate about, I've always, I've always really had a struggle with. And... I think the best example of that goes back to uh, my time in college. You know, uh, I've graduated college. I have an aerospace engineering degree with a minor in jazz performance. I didn't do bad. Didn't do poorly. I graduated. I mean, that's, that's, that's most of it right there, right? Um, but, you know, in college, the, I, was doing, I was doing well on the difficult classes, like classes like spacecraft design, um, you know, Guidance, navigation, and control, uh, fluid mechanics, fluid dynamics, you know, things like that, that I was really, really interested in is the reason I got into aerospace in the first place. I did really, really well on. And other things like differential equations, chemistry, uh, things that I didn't have a, a, a guttural interest in. Uh, and not that I didn't like them, just I didn't have an interest or I couldn't come at it from 
the perspective of someone who 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 had, it got a chemistry degree, you know. Um, I had a very very hard time with it, um, and and re- really what it came down to. I mean, now that I'm on the other side of it, and I've tried to make myself a better person, is I started to realize it's not so much that I wasn't interested in it, but the things I was interested in, it didn't matter if I didn't know how to study something or if I didn't even know what was going on. I found a way to make it work. You know, that, that was, it didn't, there was nothing getting in my way of figuring out how you design a spacecraft for a long-term mission to Mars, let's say. Um, you know, all the fuel calculations that are involved and all, all the different maneuvers you need to make and, and, and understanding, okay, you know, if you take this maneuver, you're actually saving fuel and, and, and essentially you have to design your space, your entire plan around that, you know, and different things like fluid dynamics and, and, and why certain flow rates and different designs are used for certain reasons. I found a way to learn that and I found I went out of my way to ask questions and 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 figure out okay I know I'm missing this what am I missing and going to ask for that you know and 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 if I couldn't ask for it finding a reason or putting my head to the grind my mind to the grindstone and finding out figuring it out but the problem I ran into when I was in college with the other classes was I didn't have that drive to ask those questions or to be, you know, self-aware of, I know I'm not getting this. Why am I not getting this? It was a real struggle. Part of that, part of that was, you know, if we take the example chemistry, chemistry was very hard for me because it deals with the infinitely small. Now, you know, space, obviously, anything with space, you're dealing with the infinitely large. But for whatever reason, the infinitely small was very hard for me to grasp because visually, I I didn't really understand what was going on. You know, atomic structures were very difficult for me to understand because there was a lot of ifs and buts, and I, I just never really had it explained to me or could explain it to myself very well. You know, it was a lot of words... Um, and a lot of like people talking about what it is, but I needed like a visual representation. So what I'm trying to say is it was in front of me. I I had my, I had the answer in front of me of this is what you need to look for. This is what you need to figure out, or this is what you need to put your head to the grindstone and figure it out. But because I lacked that interest and really is the double-edged sword of, of, of what my abilities are, which is an unnerving drive go after the things I'm interested in, which is why we have this show, which is why I have a 3D printing service, you know? It's because I'm really interested in those things. It's why I got my degree, ultimately, is because I wanted to be an engineer. And even though it took me longer than most people, once I figured out that that was what was holding me back was just my lack of interest, that's when everything started to change. So going back to it, it wasn't, I I had to basically completely relearn how I approached classes because with the classes I loved, I found a way to make it work. The classes I didn't love or that I really had a hard time figuring out why I needed to take it or 
figuring out uh, a very difficult concept like chemistry or or things diff- differential equations, which is one of the hardest classes you'll take in college if you are an engineer. You need to you need to be able to learn how to study. And that's really what I had to learn starting my sophomore year of college was it was a long journey of figuring out and relearning how to study. Because at the end of the day, really what I need to do and what any college student needs to do is pass pass their classes, excel at their classes, get the grades they need to do and move on. Because the way it's structured right now, it's expensive. It is very, very expensive to go to school. And the majority of people going to school do not have grants or loans. or uh, No, they do have loans. They don't have scholarships or someone else paying for their college. So if you do take that approach and you are of the same mindset like I am and you are taking classes where you're having a hard time grasping concepts but on these other classes it's easy learn how to study because what you're going to find is that it it's just a brutal representation of the fact that you are lacking in skills where it counts because in real life that's what you're going to run into you're going to run into situations where plenty of times actually probably more times than you're going to run into situations where you love what you're doing There are things you're going to have to do that you don't like to do. It's a reality of life that ain't going anywhere. So the best thing you can do is make yourself better, evolve as a person, get your skills up and running. So what I ended up learning was, oh, this is just a game. This is just, you know, I'm learning the concept, but they don't want me to understand the entire class. They don't want me to become a master in this class. That's not what getting a degree is. You're not mastering your craft. You're just becoming qualified. And that was a big, big stepping stone for me, was understanding that and and realizing, oh, I don't have enough time to master this. Yeah, these other classes I'm taking... I feel like I've I've become an intermediary. Like I've I've I have a greater understanding of it because I I was able to put that laser focus in and dive through that material and soak it up in such a way because of that ability I have of 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 a desire to learn things that I want to learn. But I learned a very valuable skill of teaching myself my weaknesses and making those stronger. And so one of the things to bring it back after this whole rant started, why I'm even bringing it up and why I've been getting my ass kicked the last two months is the thing I did not learn that I really, now that I've gotten real serious with the show and with the 3D printing business is, and just engine my own personal engineering outside of my nine to five job is you need to be scheduled to a T. And I've talked about this in, in episodes before. But it's not just the fact of, oh, I need to make a schedule or, you know, I need to learn how to manage my time. When when you get out of school and you start becoming an adult and you have all these other things, you know, if you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend, uh, if you have a family that that you, you have and you want to see and you want to enjoy, if you have friends, if you have people that that require something of you you know that that 
you have all these things. If your car breaks down and you need to go get it fixed, your schedule is not just, I set it and now I just have to follow it through. It's constantly changing and it's constantly adapting. And I've gotten a lot better at scheduling my time and making sure that I'm getting things done to move towards a goal. Because that's what you have to do. You have to set yourself a goal and go for it. And one of the big things I've been dealing with is I don't have enough time to achieve the things that I'm setting for myself. And that's what I mean. That's what I meant by the, you know, the beginning of this rant is this is my fault that I've been getting my ass kicked for the last two months. It's nobody else's fault. You know, uh, it, it's, it's my fault for setting the bar higher than it's possibly achievable, you know, and, and I'm, uh, at a lack of sleep, which then makes my stress levels go up higher, which then makes being at my best so much harder, so much more difficult and, and being able to do my best work or some of my best work in the short amount of time that I have on a daily basis, which is three hours. You know, I only have three hours of my day. If, if you consider what my situation is right now, um, 15 hours a week of commuting, uh, eight to 10 hour days of work. And then you have three hours to get home. And that's, that's, you know, that's sometimes including eating dinner, you know? So I was setting these goals at a, at a weekly pace and getting really, really bummed out when I didn't get things done you know, and then getting even more stressed out and then making decisions like not going to the beach because, you know, and not, and not setting time for myself to relax and enjoy myself. Uh, I mean, yes, I enjoy myself, but just enjoying some free time is really, or, or doing things that's fun and enjoyable, spending time with friends. You know, I've had my head down to the grindstone, which is one of my greatest strengths is, is being able to have that determination to, to bunker down and, and to put my head to the grindstone and work like a dog and, and, and a monster and, 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 and use my brain to, to create things into the real world. But there's a downside to that if my skills aren't good, which is what this whole rant is about, which is realizing, okay, great, I may have the determination to do that. But at what point is something going to snap? Is something going to break? Is, is my body, is my mind going to stop working as well? You know, or I'm going to have to take a break from it altogether for a long period of time. You know, and that's not what I'm going for. That's not what, you know, my evolution as a, as a better person is about. My evolution as a better person is, is about making it a flow, making it something that's if you think about it as a river, right? You've got a river, a good river, a, a river that flows well, doesn't have anything in the way. It doesn't have a dam. It doesn't have rocks. doesn't have twigs that are piled up into a corner that are then forcing the stream to fo flow down a smaller point and eroding the w river away, you know, or the flow becoming smaller and, and less uh, water going through that area, choking off at a certain point. You know, that's what I'm trying to do with my daily life and with everything, with what I want to achieve, with, with people I want to spend time with, with just my life in general. And 
my lack of skills, my weaknesses, are the things that are causing those pinch points in the river. You know, and that is my new abilities of scheduling. You know, I, I'm, I'm a kindergartner as far as scheduling goes. You know, and this is scheduling at, at, the, at the upper levels. You know, I'm not talking about at work or getting the things I need to get done. That part of scheduling I have down. I'm talking about the next level of then taking your free time and using it wisely and effectively. That's, it's a mastery of what scheduling is, and it's a mastery of your own abilities and, and being able to judge what are you capable of doing in a certain amount of time, you know, and that's something I'm calibrating for myself. You know, it's something I'm learning along the way. You know, I'm starting to realize that, yeah, I do need to schedule in at least one day a week where I don't do, I don't do any work. I let myself go out with friends, uh, enjoy a social life because I am a social person. I mean, I wouldn't be able to talk for 40 minutes to an hour every week if I wasn't a social person, you know, um, I need that in my life. It keeps me balanced. And so the reason I've been getting my ass kicked the last two months is because I have been overestimating that I I've been, I've had goals set in my mind and on paper, but I was disappointing myself. I was, I was setting myself up to not have a balanced flow for my life. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. What I'm working on right now is okay. Every time, every time you fail, you learn something new. And that's what these last two months have been. It's been a lot of failing and a lot of realizing, okay, that doesn't work. I'm not going to do that again. So what I'm going to do is, is spend a day this week, look at it and say, okay, you know, the, the goals I'm setting are, 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 are a great pace. They're, they're a very, um, ambitious goal, but I need to make them realistic now. I need to make them achievable. And that's what I, I, um, I, I want to reach out to you guys and say, if, if you're, if you feel like life is just crazy and you feel like everything's in your way, realize that there's no one more qualified and no one more able to change that than yourself. And it may not seem like it's the most obvious thing because you can see in front of you, there are clearly things in your way, but it's the thinking outside the box. It's, it's the, it's the taking a step back and saying, okay, what's out there? What is available to me right now that I can make use of? You know, I mean, look at when I, when I was close to finishing, actually, no, when I was still in school, right? I was uh, beaten down by life. I, I, I had gotten really good grades and really hard classes and just sucked entirely on easy classes. I was in school longer than any of my other friends. They'd already been working for two years in whatever industry they were working in, and I felt like a failure. I felt like, well, you know, I, I, I'm not where my friends are. I'm not, you know, why, why am I failing? Why, am I, why is all this getting in my way? But I finally said, you know what? No one's going to be able to change this other than me. I'm the only person who's going to be able to do this. No one deserves, no one 
has to give me anything. No one has to do anything for me. I'm the only person who can do that shit for myself. And so I started looking at it. I said, okay, well, what are my strengths? What are the things I'm good at? I'm good at communicating. I'm, I'm, good, at, I'm good at bringing something to somebody and, and explaining it and, and, and training. I know I've always been a good, uh, a decent leader. You know, I've run plenty of teams and coached and, and had, had people under me and helped train them. I'm good at that. Well, that would be really cool. I love space. Let me try that. That's where the, the podcast came in. You know, plus it would be really fun. Um, and it's become a joy that I do every single week. Um, you know, and then also I, I found 3d printing and I finally said, well, you know, all right, so the aerospace stuff isn't quite working. I don't really have the experience to get the jobs that I'm really looking for. And they're not going to really even touch my resume because, well, you know, I don't, I, it took me seven years to get a bachelor's degree, you know? So right off the bat at that point in my life, really no one's going to hire me. So I found 3D printing. I really found manufacturing for my first job at a, a an injection molding shop. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me get one. You know, I'm making enough money as an engineer. Let me buy a 3D printer. And then it blossomed. It became this thing that, oh my God, I have experience in this. And now it's become a, a 3D printing service that, that I'm, I'm helping bring people's ideas into reality. I mean, that's that's crazy. Not only people's ideas, my own ideas. I, I can now design on my own and 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 f- forge and and craft my own skills, how I deem fit. I don't need somebody else to say, "Oh, we've got this project you want. Uh, you know, you got to work on this project to then work on this project." No, I can work on the on the project I want to work on. You know, and it came from a, a position of 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 feeling like everything is against me, everything is bad. <laughs> everything is awful to saying, well, wait a minute. There's something here. I don't know what it is quite yet, but I've got, I've got the balls enough to go for it and to say, well, Hey, what do I have to lose by doing this? Honestly, what, what do I have to lose by trying, by going out there and giving it a good go, giving it my best shot? And once I started figuring it out, I started realizing, oh, I can do this. This is possible. All, the, all this stuff is just getting yourself in a position where you believe you can do it. So even though these last two months I've been getting my ass kicked, uh, it's good for me. It's good for all of us. Getting your ass kicked is one of the best gifts that you can be given. Um, and the best gift you can give yourself is getting up off of your ass, off of you get knocked down after you've been beat up and say, all right, that didn't work. <laughs> Let's try something else. And if you do that, it, it, it may take you a year. It may take you five years. It may take you 20 years, 40 years. But the struggle of that and getting up every single time, you're going to get stronger than you were before. That's, a, it's, that's the human experience. You know, and so I'm doing it. I hope you're doing it. And that's it, man. Go out there and do what you want to do. Strive for whatever you want to do, whether it's, you know, you you want to have, you're a baseball player and you want to have 
a, a, a mean swing that you don't even want to hit home runs. You just want to get it over the infield every single time so you get a single or a double every time where you can knock people home from, from second or third base. You're the RBI king. You know? Um, not sure if that's the right word. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I played baseball. Um, I was a first baseman, though. That was a lot of fun. I couldn't do splits, but uh, I was pretty good. I mean, I didn't go past. I didn't. I didn't play high school, but I played when I was younger. Uh, I played till I was about fifteen. Um, but anyways, um, you know, maybe your, maybe your, maybe your nurse. You know, maybe your you you deal with uh, patients on a daily basis, and and your balance is is making sure that you get your patients the care that they need and that they're taken care of as best they can be. And then the other thing you need to do is come home and relax because you have one crazy ass job. Or maybe you're one of the lucky ones that, uh, decided, you know what? I don't need a four year education. All I really need is is an associate's degree in something. And, and that's what I want to get into. That's what I want to work on. And, uh, you know, although you may not jump into the job, that someone with a, a degree, a college degree, a four-year degree is going to jump into right after they're done, you're going to have no debt. You're going to have all these other things going for you. And by the time your four years would be up, you've already gained four years of experience. And now all you've got to do is keep working it. You know, you don't have to be the Elon Musk of um, manufacturing or... Um, computer science you just need to be the best version of you and you just need to be the person you don't even need to be the best person of a version of you you just need to keep fucking trying that's the message i'm trying to bring to you guys keep trying if you get your ass kicked like i've been getting my ass kicked get up take a second once you you realize you've gotten your ass kicked and say all right time to change it up time to switch it up and look at the game plan again all right and that's it, everybody. That's it. So let's move on to some orbital news for this week. And we're going to talk a little bit about Kate Rubens and what she's been doing. We'll jump into the SpaceX uh, updates and uh, just play more science, folks. Let's do it. So on August, October, August. No, it's still August. I keep saying October for some silly reason. So, August 19th, Expedition 48 Commander Jeff Williams and Flight Engineer Kate Rubens uh, concluded their spacewalk at 2.02 Eastern Time, and it was a 5-hour and 58-minute spacewalk. On that spacewalk, both astronauts successfully installed the first of two international docking adapters. Now, these docking adapters, if uh, you don't remember, the IDAs, uh, they're going to be used for the next generation of commercial crew spacecraft from both Boeing and SpaceX um, that are under development in the NASA commercial crew program. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a new level. The reason they need this new adapter is because the new level of spacecraft are going to have different docking procedures. They're going to be help. They're going to be guided by laser systems and they're going to be a lot more automated and, and safer and um, ideally more precise. That's kind of the whole idea with this is to make, um, make strides evolve, make, make this new process better. 
so these new adapters need to be installed and uh that's uh the adapter the the this first one was brought aboard thanks to uh spacex's dragon capsule uh and it was just installed so it was it was Kate Rubin's first spacewalk and Jeff Williams' fourth. Um, you know, congratulations also to Jeff Williams. Uh, he also surpassed Scott Kelly for the most time spent in space. Um, now, I'm just going to look up the number real quick so I get it right. And it just, it's just not me just sitting here stumbling, trying to find it online. And luckily, someone on the internet has put together, NASA actually specifically, has put together a wonderful infographic that shows, I believe it's the NASA Astronaut Cumulative Days in Space Record Holders. Um, now, again, this is just NASA astronauts, not uh, all astronauts. I mean, there are a few Russian cosmonauts that hold records that, uh, oof, they, are, uh, they are large. Um, but if we're talking NASA astronauts, uh, Jeff Williams just surpassed Scott Kelly, who had 520 days total, and he's passing it at 534, um, and that will be, uh, so he just passed it, and at the end of his mission, which he's landing September 6th, so actually, um, will we have an episode before then? We will. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, talk more about the Expedition 48 crew that's going to be landing, which includes Jeff Williams, but he's going to have a total of 534 days by the time he lands September 6th, 2016. So congratulations to Jeff Williams, um, a true veteran in, in space. I mean, you'd have to be to have those kind of uh, uh, man days in space, but um, just just incredible achievement for Jeff Williams and for Scott Kelly. Um, of course, Scott Kelly has the year in space and uh, all the research behind that as well. Um, but just incredible. Um, and, and another thing, and, and to talk about, uh, Kate Rubens, um, she's really just an incredible human being. I, I have to say, I mean, um, just, uh, you know, an esteemed biologist working on all crazy diseases, um, and cures for those. Now she's up on the international space station as an astronaut, uh, accomplishing now the second of her three goals as she was, uh, for, as a child. Uh, biologist, then astronaut, and then uh, geologist is the other one. So she's also up on the International Space Station working on cardiomyocytes, which are heart cells, and seeing how they grow and develop in microgravity, um, which is going to help us learn more about how the heart is actually, how it would develop in microgravity, and I would assume would help us with... um, our understanding of how, what happens to the heart in microgravity. You know, as we know, the effects of long-term stay in microgravity is that the heart actually gets smaller. And that's in part because it has less work to do. You know, just like any muscle, if you stop using it, it's, it's going to atrophy and get smaller, you know, with the lack of gravity and, and it not having to push blood as much as it has to, it adjusts. The The human body is amazing like that. And sometimes it works against you, which in this case, the heart actually gets smaller, which if you're thinking of a return trip, which your body is obviously not taking into account, um, that becomes an issue. Um, so with the research she's doing there, that's going to help tremendously. Um, and I, I've listened to an interview with her recently, and uh, I'll have the the episode link on this week, but she's, she's well-spoken. Um, she's 
done her training. Uh, you know, she's just a, a very, very interesting person. You know, uh, she's she's a team member. She loves uh, she loves what she does. Does man? She's a scientist. I mean, hearing her talk about how you know when she's watching an aurora from space. You know, she's thinking about the electromagnetism of the planet and the changes that are happening and, you know, and, and geeking out over that. Like, I love that. I think that's it's incredible. I mean, that's the kind of people we want up there in space working on the space station right now, you know, because that's really what their entire stay up there. It's it's this giant sprint uh, while they're up there to get as much done and to to just take grasp of all that they're doing, you know, and it's 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 such an interesting place because you've got all these people who are are working at the same time and are from different countries and different backgrounds but as she said herself it it doesn't feel like that you know you're you're alone on this space laboratory apartment that's f- orbiting the planet at at crazy speeds and you're not you can't go outside you're not going to feel weather you're not going to feel air you're not going to hear the sounds you usually hear on earth and a lot of people rightfully so would assume that that's a that kind of a place is going to be lonely and you're going to feel uh ostracized and i don't know if i'm just using a word there that i don't even know the definition of apologize um you're gonna feel alone and you're gonna feel like uh you're all alone up there because you're just in the void of space but she was saying it's not like that at all in fact it actually because they're so busy and because they have so much to do and because they're always working on something and they're always moving across the space station and seeing their their fellow crew members working on something they get to have dinners together uh, and talk and then um you know watch the planet from that kind of perspective, you know, she was saying it, it actually makes you more connected to the planet. You actually, it's, it's the reverse of what you would think. It's not, it, it doesn't make you feel disconnected. In fact, it makes you feel more connected. And I think it was Neil Armstrong. He had a great, great quote from when he was on the moon, when he, when he first went up there and he puts his, <laughs> He puts his thumb in front of the moon, and I'm going to butcher the quote here, but he says he didn't, he didn't feel like a giant. He felt, he felt tiny, you know, and, and, you know, on his return trip, you know, he and, and, and a lot of people from that trip, from seeing the planet, from that perspective, we didn't think that we were these, these minuscule, you know, things, it actually brought the planet into perspective that we are all on this planet at the same time. That's how the Environmental Protection Agency came into play, was after sending a picture back from the moon, looking at the planet, and everyone goes, oh, fuck. That's what we're dealing with. We need to protect this thing, man. We need to protect all of us. We're all human beings, regardless of our political standings or, or you know, what I believe in. We're all in this, all of us together. And I get a, a great, great sense from that, from Kate Rubens. And she is, 
she just seemed I, I'm very uh, check out everything that that she puts out there she's like I said she's well spoken you can relate to her and she loves what she's doing that's more important than I think a lot of things which I think every astronaut that's going up there loves what they're doing but you can just outwardly tell whenever she talks um, you know a little more facts on her she's actually the 60th woman uh, astronaut female astronaut um, which is is crazy. I, I didn't know there were that many female astronauts, and I think that's incredible. I really do. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're all humans, but um, to be the 60th, that's definitely a milestone. And um, and she even said herself, she doesn't really even see it that way. She sees, you know, we're all human beings. There's no difference in what I'm expected to do as opposed to what they're expected to do. We're all up here together. We're part of a team, and I think that's a great message. You know, we're all in this together. You know, doesn't matter who you are, what you are, we're all in this together. And having that mindset of, of teamwork and togetherness uh, gets us further along than trying to divide people or, or trying to say that I'm better than you or, or, or victimizing and saying, hey, you know, uh, I'm not able to do this. That's, that's not what's going on. And I think that's fantastic because it's bringing it from a human perspective. And that's what we're all about here on Today in Space is bringing it from the human perspective. Cut out all the other divisive nomenclature out. We're human beings. We're all in this together. Let's get it done. And that's what I love about Kate Rubin. She is, from what I've seen, all about that. And I applaud her for all the work she's done. I applaud Jeff Williams for his great achievements on the, on, in, in space and for NASA, for this country, thank you, both of you, for being amazing human beings and for kicking ass out there, okay? Thank you. Now, this week, from orbit back to Earth, the SpaceX Dragon capsule came back, the capsule from the CRS-9 mission. Uh, the CRS-9 mission brought up over 5,000 pounds of supplies and scientific cargo uh, up to the ISS and then brought back down 3,000 pounds of NASA cargo, science and technology, and demonstration samples from the International Space Station. You know, and it's, you know, when this Dragon capsule splashes and lands back on Earth, you know, it's not like, oh, great, okay, let's take our time. No, it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround, you know. Almost immediately, cargo is taken out of the capsule and return to NASA immediately. They want it as quick as possible. They want as little time from the time it was in microgravity to the time it experienced gravity to then start seeing their experiments because, number one, you've got to worry about contamination. Number two, if uh, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure NASA has some, like, um, zone of this is how long the returning science experiments can be in gravity before we start seeing it being affected, you know, because they want their results. They, that's, that's just good science. They, they know their, um, their boundary for how long stuff needs to be there because, you know, it is a big difference, you know, um, you know, they're doing this experiment in zero gravity and we've got to do our tests in gravity. I mean, that's our baseline. That's our 9.81 meters per second. That's our acceleration. That's our second squared. Apologies. Um, that is, uh, our baseline, but these experiments are being done in zero gravity for a very specific reason, you know, and, and to go more into what they brought back, um, 
number one is the heart study, heart cell study, which looks at how microgravity affects human heart cells. And this is being done by the U.S. National Laboratory. Um, and they're investigating and studying how microgravity changes the human heart and how those changes vary between individuals. You know, we've talked about this before. I think we talked about this earlier in the episode, how, you know, for deep space travel, you know, we're going to see, because we have already seen it just in low Earth orbit on the International Space Station, that the heart, the human heart is affected by zero gravity. And these heart cell studies are going to help us look even more into how much does it really change, and more importantly, how does it change between different kinds of people. You know, if we're going to Mars and we're going to do more deep space missions with human beings, we need to know what's really going on. So these heart cells that are being cultured aboard the space station for one month uh, are being analyzed for cellular and molecular changes. And according to this NASA article, uh, results could advance the study of heart disease and the development of drugs and cell replacement therapy. So it's pretty badass. Pretty cool research going on. Uh, some more uh, investigations that were going on and the samples that were returned, uh, there are two rodent-based investigations, um, the Mouse Epigenetics and Rodent Research 3L Lily. Um, these are mouse uh, experiments, and these mouse models are useful because they show how much shorter stays by mice in low-Earth orbit can be used to infer how you know shorter stays by humans uh, can be done, and and really just to show how these similar conditions may affect us in the future, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty common thing for science use uh, uh, mammal species to then infer how it's going to affect us because we are ourselves mammals. So I figure that's an assumption, but just wanted to make sure, just in case anyone else didn't know, we are in fact mammals. Uh, the one that really always found as weird was that that whales are also mammals um that one always struck me as strange i mean obviously it makes sense now after you kind of learn a little bit more about it but that was always a weird one i don't know about you i always thought that was that was like really this thing that lives in the water all the time is also a mammal it's like that's kind of crazy but regardless uh some more returning samples um are the uh, multi-omics experiment and this is research that's analyzing the composition of microbes in the human digestive system and how they affect the human immune system. According to this, the researchers may be able to identify bacterial or metabolic biomarkers that could be useful for astronaut health management and therefore future human exploration of the solar system. You know, we've talked about it before. The microbiome is a really, really, number one, understated, but extremely important part of what our immune systems, how healthy we are, how our entire systems work, really. You know, we, we kind of get stuck in the idea, uh, by myself, before I really started researching this, we get stuck in this idea that, you know, we are a single being, you know, it's just us, and even thinking, you know, oh, we're alone. But in reality, we are filled with millions of these different microbial life that live inside us and and help us with so many different functions i mean really when you think about it and actually by the facts there are more uh is it there's there's so much different dna inside your body because of all the millions of different bacteria that are in your body you know you're filled with this 
potentially alien life form that lives with us in conjunction with us and helps us survive and helps us keep going. And, you know, it's not just like a, a few, like it's, it's an entire population, a diverse population of these beings that live inside you, you know, and what you eat and, and how you live your life and what you do working out, all these different things, those things affect those life forms that live inside you and understanding how those affected and understanding uh, what a healthy balance of those are. You know, it's just like a, a, a well-run country or a well-run city or a well-run village. There's a balance of, of who does what, what we need, you know, a well-run one is a very well-balanced. It's not out of control. And what happens sometimes is your microbiome can get out of control. And I think the multi-omics experiment is really going to look at, okay, how are the these microbes in the human digestive system being affected in zero gravity? And then how is that going to affect the human immune system? And then if we can figure that out and find these, you know, with these... Uh, metabolic biomarkers, can we then see how we can keep that balance of a healthy microbiome as we're traveling through the solar system? You know, these deep space missions, it's it's one other thing we should be looking at long term because, you know, if, if that means we have to adjust our diet while we're out there, you know, and make sure we bring a certain food or, you know, we have to have kind of options out there to change and adapt to how our microbiomes are going to change while we're up there. So, you know, I mean, as I'm sure you would know, your digestive system is pretty important. You know, uh, you need to digest your food, your nutrients, and then it also goes into your <laughs> intestinal tract. And if you can't poop in space, uh, you've got a big problem being constipated in space because uh, if you didn't bring laxatives with you, um, you're kind of, well, it's a terrible pun, but you're shit out of luck, man. That's not good. So making sure all those things are in order is pretty important because uh, um, incredible diarrhea or awful constipation, neither of those things are good. And both of those things can be managed by having a uh, well-balanced microbial digestive system or microbiome. So this multiomics experiment, pretty important. So those samples returning, it's awesome that they are. We're going to learn way more about how the life forms living inside us interact in space. You know, and I'll just finish by saying, um, you know, the Dragon Capsule is uh, not only a, a great step forward in the private industry and and getting, you know, supplies up and back from the International Space Station, but it is currently the only space station resupply spacecraft that's able to return this large amount of cargo to Earth, you know, uh, that's, that's a huge, huge advantage. You know, all this stuff, doing science in space, the most important thing is being able to bring it, bring the supplies to then do the science and then return the science to be analyzed back on Earth. Both of those are key, key components to doing science in space. And the beauty of what SpaceX is, is showing that they can do and their plan to do is to do this at a faster pace. You know, the more science we can do within a year means that we can get more science done, which means we can then move farther and further into the future and, and learn more and 
be able to get into space faster. You know, I think that's part of the problem with where our view was back, you know, in the 60s in the space race when we had our view of sci-fi and where space, where we were going to be in in the year 2000, you know, um, the 21st century, we're all going to be living in space, you know, and it didn't happen. And, and I think a large part of that with the sci-fi going faster than reality was we weren't able to keep up the pace at which we were conducting science in space. You know, it's, it's a huge thing. If, if we're able to do it faster, not only faster and more frequently, but cheaper, that means we're going to have all these crazy innovative experiments and we won't have to be fighting for, oh, who's the one big experiment that's going to get picked this year because we don't have enough funding. That means the funding will be able to be done and there'll be more opportunities to go up as well. You know, bringing the cost down is huge, but not only bringing the cost down, but bringing the rate at which we can go up there. Because that's a big thing. Great, you can bring the cost down. But if you can't turn that spaceship around, uh, the, the if you can't turn around those rockets and launch them back up fast enough, then great, you brought the cost down, but we're not doing science any quicker. We've just made it a little bit cheaper. So the beautiful thing SpaceX is doing is helping launch faster as well. And that's because of their reusability track that they're on now. And it's it's starting, you can kind of see it in the space industry. That's It's something we've always wanted, we've never been able to prove. And SpaceX proving this uh, one step at a time is now going to make a change towards how we do things. What's the normal for space travel, you know? You know, we've, we've been stuck in this make one big, uh, I guess, Ferrari to go up there into space, you know, and now, uh, if, uh, if we have a, uh, Toyota Camry going up into space every time, does it really matter? No, because I can't afford a Ferrari, but I could afford a Toyota Camry. That means I can go into space. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge difference, especially for companies that want to get into space science and see microgravity. It's, it, it helps every different sector of, of science and business that can be done in space. It makes it more accessible, and it makes all of this more reality, and we can get more done. I think that's the most important thing, we can get more done. So thank you to the SpaceX team. You did a wonderful job. Thank you for not only launching supplies up to the ISS, but then bringing them back down. You know, a full caveat mission. It's it's fantastic watching you guys work and seeing you guys succeed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what NASA does with these experiments and all these other science amazingness. I'm just so excited. This is awesome. So uh, thanks again to SpaceX. Thanks again to everyone who's involved. You guys are amazing. And uh, that's that's about it for this week, everybody. Uh, no 3D printing update um, because... I haven't really got anywhere with the 3D printing update. Um, don't really have much to say. But if you do have an idea, if you do, if you have a uh, an idea for a business and you want to make a business proposal to somebody, um, if you've got a college project coming up, school starting soon, if you've got a product you really want to kick ass on, or you want to get someone a really great gift, like Christmas is coming up as well, maybe for their birthday, AG3D printing, we can help you get into the 21st century. We can bring those ideas into reality. 
And all you got to do is reach out. Go to www.ag3d-printing.com and look at what we've done there. We've got a bunch of, uh, you can check out our Instagram page at ag3d printing and see all the things we're doing. We try to post once a week um, and show what's possible in 3D printing. So if you really don't really know where to go, start there. See what we're doing. That way you can kind of see what's possible. Um, you know, there's also plenty of files online if that's what you're looking for. If you find a model online you really like, uh, send that link to me and we can talk about getting that printed. Or if you want something designed and, and maybe you maybe you can design but you don't have a printer. Or if you want something designed, I am also a designer and I can do that for you as well. Uh, we have CAD software over here that we can use and design pretty much anything you're looking for. Um, it really just depends on your imagination. Really, anything that you want to make come into reality. Let's talk about it. Let's make it work for you. Let's get it done. This is the 21st century. Let's do it. I can help you get there. So, AG3D printing, let's bring your ideas into reality. And as always, uh, if you want to help support the show, uh, please go to this week's episode or on the homepage at todayinspace.net forward slash home and use the Amazon link and just do your shopping as you do normally. And it's free and Amazon kicks us back a little bit of what you get and it helps support the show. It's beautiful. It's easy. And uh, that's it, everybody. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. Uh, and as always, uh, go after what you're going for. Don't settle for anything. And just remember, if you get your ass kicked, <laughs> uh, just get back up and keep trying. You know, look at what happened, change your game plan a little bit, and keep going. Never sit back down and give up. Always keep going forward because you'll always learn something and you'll always get better. So go out there, do what you want to do, and don't forget, spread love, spread science, and have a great week. Uh, next week uh, is Mem uh, Labor Day weekend, right? Um, so don't expect an episode on Sunday. I'm actually going to be away. Look for an episode probably on Wednesday. Okay, yeah, look for an episode on Wednesday, and uh, we'll be back, everybody. It'll be the first of the month, so the first uh, episode of the month. So we'll have uh, another ep another segment of Look Up. We'll get back into the constellations and the Greek mythology behind them. Uh, I'll tell you some more crazy stories of what my ancestors used to believe. And uh, it's going to be fun, guys. So enjoy your, your Labor Day weekend. I keep wanting to say Memorial Day. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and we'll see you here next week. See ya!